Hey guys, uh, welcome to an episode, another episode of Under the Dome. Uh, we're running late uh, starting up tonight because we're having some issues with uh, getting Joe Horn on. We've got some communication going on with him uh, to find out what's going on with any technical problems on his end. So I'm going to ahead and start this thing up because it's been 15 minutes already. We've been on uh, trying to get with him for about 45 minutes now. And I'm not sure what's going on. We've got an uh, intermediary um, that uh, Sean's been working with. So Sean's going to be popping in back and forth. I'll just see what happens. Okay. This is the problem <laughs> when we do stuff live. You uh, you kind of fly by the seat of your pants, and with technology, trying to match up technology, it would not be a live broadcast if we didn't have a glitch every so often. So, uh, let's just go ahead and get started. Um, like I said, welcome to Under the Dome. I'm your host, Alan Oric. Sean Williams is over there in the bottom corner there, panicking, trying to get some messages into uh, to Joe's uh PR guy (laughs) and whenever Joe pops in he pops in we're not going to cut him uh cut any of his time we'll just keep going as long as Joe's available and worst comes to worst we'll figure out something else but in the meantime there is stuff we can talk about involving the Saints um we were talking about some of this over the air off the air I mean uh We've seen some in free agency, some of the, the dream players that we were, Saints fans were hoping to get, like Melvin Ingram or Paul. Players like that have been franchise tagged, which I, honestly, if you're surprised by this, really, you just haven't been paying close enough attention to free agency. Good teams do not let good players just walk away. Um uh, most teams lock, try and lock up, and if they can't get a contract done, they just tag them. Uh, that way, they keep them from hitting the free agency market. Uh, Melvin Ingram certainly fits in that mold. And we've also seen, because the Saints have $30 million to spend this season, <clears throat> we've seen other teams, their cap numbers have also risen. Those guys are getting uh, – those guys have money to spend. They're going to go and try and keep these core players to keep their roster good. Um, meanwhile, we've seen older players get the axe. Uh, Adrian Peterson uh, is rumored to be let go by the Vikings. Um, Kansas City Chiefs have released Jamal Charles or are going to release Jamal Charles. We've already seen the New York Jets planning on releasing both Nick Mangold and uh, Daryl Revis. And now I saw about an hour or so before we got started on this show, the Saints are planning on releasing Jarius Bird. Uh, and if he goes on, if the Saints do go on to release him, that closes the uh, the book on the last really bad free agent signing we've seen the Saints do uh, in the post-Super Bowl uh, Peyton Loomis era. Um he, you know, the problem with Jarius Bird, and we've talked about this ad nauseum, uh, you signed him to a huge contract, expecting him to be a younger, more athletic version of Dar- Darren Sharper, and he turned out to be 
an injury aging injury uh, prone aging player, even though he was in his twenties. Uh, ex Buffalo Bill, whose best days were behind him, and as a result, it like a huge waste of money. We got very little return for him, and to compound it, he replaced who. Regardless of what you think of him now, the guy he replaced was at one time considered part of the worst safety tandem in the NFL in Malcolm Jenkins. Okay? Roman Harper and Malcolm Jenkins in 2012 were rated the worst safety tandem in football. Boss, you have a text. Oh. Sorry. That's okay. No, hey, it, I, I'm watching for you. I'm seeing if I'm waiting to see that little picture in the corner, see if Joe Horn shows up. If if my so, head explodes, disregard it. Ah, okay. I've seen scanners. I've seen it already already happen. I've seen heads explode live. Um, well, guys, any, let me take this opportunity to tell you guys that uh, as Alan has alluded to earlier, this is a live broadcast. Uh, for this to go off without a hitch, this needs to happen, this needs to happen, this needs to happen, and this needs to happen for an hour's broadcast. And any one step in that process goes sideways or doesn't quite work out, and, and it's chaos and confusion. Uh, we promised you guys, Joe Horn, we're going to deliver you, Joe Horn. I, I can guarantee you that. It, uh, we're going to do thing that we can to get these issues worked out and we're uh we're gonna deliver on what we promised you guys i can guarantee you that one way or another we're working on the issues Absolutely. right now trying to get it worked out you got a got a chief engineer working on this right now mr scott we got him working on this right now um Anyway, what I was saying before about Malcolm Jenkins, he was rated the worst safety. So you you could see a part of the worst safety tandem in the league. So the thinking was we're going to upgrade from him. Well, it turns out that uh, Malcolm Jenkins goes on to Philadelphia and becomes a totally different player than he was with the Saints. And then, B, we have uh, Jarius Bird injured, misses the whole – season that the 2014 season, the season that we're supposed to turn this thing around and make our big push to challenge the Seattle Seahawks. He misses that entire season because of his back. And you now start to see, oh God, did we make another mistake? Yes, we did. So if that's if, if 2016 turns out to be his last year that was uh then that was three seasons really wasted and reflected in those 79 records. And uh, it hello. The, oh, okay, good. All right. Uh, uh, so, as a result, do we have Joe? Oh, not a problem. Not a problem. I now have NEM, M and M, M E M. Oh, whatever. Um, that's let that's. Me see. Let me see. My name um, is Joe. My name I, is Joe. Just, My name is just Joe. so you know, I haven't panicked. <laughs> hey, man, this is a live broadcast. I, and I okay. just told the guys. Um, 
Are you unmuting yourself? Yes, he did. He muted himself, so we can't hear him. Okay. Back to what we were talking about before, or what I was uh, ranting about before. So basically, we've had three seasons. Wason and Jerry's Bird has come to symbolize those three seventy-nine seasons. Uh, just wasted money, bad decisions, letting good players go and bringing in substandard players uh, to replace them. So. Bird becomes a cautionary tale now for twenty for 2017's offseason. I know a lot of people were disappointed and upset that, you know, Melvin Ingram, Jason Pierre-Paul, and some of these other players were, uh, were released. So you're now looking at what free agents that, that are left out there going, well, we need to get this guy because we need somebody, somebody who can play defensive end other than Paul Kruger or Daryl Tapp. We need somebody at linebacker. We need somebody at middle linebacker and not going to get another washed-up middle linebacker like we did last time. And that's where we have to look in the draft. Uh, You really cannot expect to find a stud that's going to fill your needs in free agency right now unless you just hit the goal mine like we did with Joe Horn uh, back in 2000, where you grab a guy who was number four receiver with the Kansas City Chiefs, and he comes to the Saints and becomes the number one receiver, an all-pro receiver, the last Pro Bowl receiver we ever got. Uh, yes, I know Marcus Colson has set all the records and everything else, but Joe Horn is the last true Pro Bowl receiver we've had uh, for the New Orleans Saints. Knock on Colston. Colston just never got the recognition um, that uh, that that Horn had, was able to achieve. Um, hopefully, they're getting this straightened out right now. We tried a couple of things. We tried something new. Joe on. Um, hopefully, this is going to work. Um, we'll find out. Anyway, in other news, um, the uh, the draft is coming up. Um, we have – it's now – the calendar is now turning to March. So we will have uh, the NFL Combine coming up next. And then at the, uh, at the end of March, I believe – I lost all my dates when I switched over to this. Uh, I believe we'll have free agency starting – on or around the last week of March. So um, there's a lot of moves to be made. I've made this argument before. We talked about this last time. Um, I still think that we need to go ahead and lock up uh, Nick Fairley, even though uh, a lot of guys think, you know, a lot of fans think we can get somebody cheaper to replace him because he's essentially the, uh, the three-technique tackle. Uh, in a rotation position with Sheldon Rankins. The difference is Sheldon Rankins can play both the nose and the three-technique position, uh, whereas uh, Fairley is more of a pure three-technique guy. So there are times where you could have Fairley come in and play with Rankins on that defensive line. And I just think you already know what you got with him. Uh, I don't think at his point in his career now, I don't think that the money is going to make him suddenly go back to the player he was with Detroit. 
I think he likes it here. I think he he's looking forward to getting paid, uh, but he also knows it can go away very quickly. I think with Detroit. Um, I saw the other day somebody was talking about Akeem Hicks and how much better he's playing in Chicago versus uh, how he played in New England and with the Saints, uh, and then asked, you know, what happened? Why didn't he play that way for us? I think some players look at uh, at the league as a given. Hey, I drafted. I'm talented. I'm big. Yeah, I can take a couple plays off, and I can still – I can still coast my way, and they're going to pay me just because I'm that much better than everybody else. Well, you're not that much better. And when you get let go from the first team, you start thinking to yourself, okay, eh, it was just a bad fit. Uh, you know, I'm not a good, that wasn't a very good team I was with. You know, these guys are better. I can kind of hide myself a little bit and still take a couple plays off, but I'll do enough work that they're going to want to keep me around. And I think for players like Hicks and Fairley, when they got to the Bears and the uh, and the Saints, respectively, they kind of looked at it. I know Hicks probably for sure thought this way. This is my last chance. If uh, if I screw this up, I'm out of the league. Uh, Fairley, on the other hand, <clears throat> Fairley was a former first round draft pick, and then coming from the, you know, the Detroit Lions with Sue next to him, then going to the Rams uh, with a very talented cast around him. Uh, I think he was just, he kind of thought that maybe I will get that paycheck, um, but he never really did. And when the Rams didn't re-sign him, I think much like Hicks, he kind of felt – hey, this is going to be my last chance to get that paycheck. And I'm going to side, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I also think he looked at it too as not only is it my last chance to get that big paycheck, but this culture, this team cuts mistakes. They don't have any qualms about getting rid of mistakes regardless of the cost. And we've seen that with Junior Gallette. We saw that with um, – the middle linebacker this past year we got from the Rams, um, you know, animal son, uh, you know, we, we, Sean Payton, dead money be damned. If the guy's a mistake, he's going to cut him and get rid of him. And okay. I think Sean is back and he's off the phone, but regardless, I think fairly thinks that is not going to go back to being the, uh, the bum that he used to being. Uh, with Detroit. I think even if he gets paid, he's still going to be a hard worker. I think he still is going to be a contributor. Okay, Sean, are you back? You got us on mute, so I don't know if you're back or not. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. And the Oscar for the best film of the year goes to? (laughs) I was about running out of stuff to make up there. uh... You know, thinking today no matter how bad i mean if we really screw it doesn't really matter because we'll never screw up as bad as the oscars did so oh we were about we were about two minutes away from me going into a comic book story i was about to go into my issues with uh the avengers and what i liked 
in the 60s and 70s and early 80s versus what they're doing to the Avengers now. And I totally would have lost everybody watching this because they were like, oh, my God. You know, this guy is talking about comic books and artists and writers and these characters. Like, this is a friggin' soap opera. And uh, this is yes, a sir. football show, not a comic book show. It's okay, man. It's okay. Uh... Oh, no. You really want to hear about this? You put me on mute. We really going to talk about the Jim Shooter era of comics with the Avengers? Are we? Uh, you really want me to go into John Buscema and how much I love George Perez and Neil Adams' artwork and yeah, this viewership's going to drop down to about two if I keep going on this line. Um, hey, I think we talked about um, we we had kind of scheduled Joe Horn uh, to give him the, the entire hour, and because you've been listening to me ramble for so long, um, I'm going to go ahead and skip over and go straight to the linebackers, which is what we were going to talk about next week. Um, you know, we, we just mentioned a few minutes ago about uh, the mistakes the Saints have made in cutting linebacker and uh, cutting mistakes. And one of them was a, the middle linebacker we signed. And he was already rated as the worst starting middle linebacker in football back in 2015. And then we picked him up because we thought he would honestly be an upgrade over how badly St- Stephon Anthony played. Uh, and people kind of got kind of you know, had to take a second to really consider this because they were thinking, okay, well, wait, Stephon Anthony led the team in tackles, had the most tackles for a middle linebacker or a linebacker since Ricky Jackson back in 1981 when Ricky was a rookie. And uh, they said, well, you know, it's got to be Joe Vitt. You know, Joe Vitt's the one that was ruining him because they took him out of middle linebacker and put him on strong side linebacker and – because they did that, they screwed him all up. And he, you know, if we get rid of it, you know, we'll move Anthony back to middle linebacker and we should be okay now. Well, we got rid of it. What's going to happen with, uh, with Anthony if he's going to move back to middle linebacker? But here's my thing if you watched Anthony play uh, both his rookie year and the little bit he did play this year, he revealed a lot of weaknesses that you saw in college that came back to haunt him as a pro, okay? If you look at his scouting reports, one of the things ahead of him in his scouting report was that he had a tendency to run around tackles and run around blocks. I'm sorry, not tackles, blocks. Run around blocks to make tackles. Uh, now, he is fast enough. He got away with that in college, uh, but in the pros, they're just as fast, and the field is shorter. Now, I know it's the same dimensions, but here's the difference, okay? In the, in the college football, your hash marks are much wider. In the pros, your hash marks are much narrower, very close together, okay? I don't remember the exact inches anymore, and it's not really that relevant to this conversation. But and if you, if you think it doesn't make a difference the mentality of a player. Think about when Reggie Bush was playing for the Saints. How many times did you watch Reggie keep trying to break it to the outside, break it to the outside? He cut back against the green, looking for that edge, looking for that corner. 
in college football, because the hash marks are so wide, that worked. Because if you're on the near hash mark, and I say near, near to the sideline, okay? You're on this side of the sideline. They call it the near, okay? If you're going from the near hash mark and you cut back and you run to the wide side, in college, maybe you've got three or four guys who can run sideline to sideline and get the angle on somebody who's coming around the wide side of the field and get them before they get to that corner. Because Reggie had the speed that once he got that edge, once he got that corner, he was gone. Okay. Well, when you try that in the pros, because now the hash marks are near the middle of the field instead of much further out, that corner is never there because they've already the, the linebackers and the players already have that angle. Well, go now to Stephon Anthony. Stephon Anthony had the speed to run down those kind of plays. So he would essentially run around blocks and then take off for the ball carrier, and he was meeting them because now he's playing running backs, especially in the Pac-12. No, he didn't play in the Pac-12. I'm sorry, ACC. I'm thinking of Reggie Bush. Sorry. In the ACC, he's playing running backs who don't have that raw speed to turn that corner. Maybe one or two at Florida State. Maybe a kid at North Carolina. But you think about Wake Forest. Uh, Duke, those schools that were in the ACC that he was playing don't have those kind of running backs who are going to hit that edge and take off. So he was able to kind of hide his flaws. Well, in the NFL, you can't hide your flaws. So, And the linemen are much faster. So they were hitting him. As he's trying to run around, they were hitting him. So he was making tackles. He was leading the team in tackles, but he was making tackles three and five yards downfield. No game. Better demonstrated that than the Washington Redskins game with those screen passes and a lot of those little underneath crossing routes where uh, Anthony was confused, would make mistakes, try and run around blocks, and the linemen would just take him out completely out of the play, and now he's exposed to defense. And I'm not putting all those losses on Anthony because obviously there was a lot of problems. Yeah, I know when I mentioned the Washington game, the first thing you think of is that chicken crap play that uh, um, Brandon Browner did where he just went after a player instead of a ball carrier. And I get that. Okay. I understand that. But let's now fast forward to 2016, the Atlanta Falcons game. Uh, even the Tampa Bay game, you saw those same problems come up in coverage. Uh, the one play I'm thinking of, particularly in the Atlanta Falcons game, uh, you saw uh, Matt Ryan come out at naked bootleg, which is a play that Kyle Shanahan, um, Gary Kubiak love to run. They love that naked bootleg play where he rolls out. Well, I think it was Reggie Freeman. I'm not uh, Reggie Freeman. No, that's a linebacker from way back when. But I think it was Dante Friedman. Freeman, when he kind of snuck out the backfield, Anthony's job actually was to cover the back, and the back got behind him. And Anthony decided he was going to go after Matt Ryan, and Matt Ryan kind of looped the ball over him. And since the corners had taken off with the clear-out routes, and the safety is in the middle, 
there's nobody behind Anthony playing the strong side that will dump off baskets over his head because he's come up because he sucked up and came up after Ryan. And Freeman takes off for a big play. I think the Falcons score two plays later. So those kind of mistakes. You saw the coverage mistake he made in Tampa. On the plus side, he made some incredible tackles where he read the play correctly, shot the gap, boom, hit the guy for a big loss. You saw it in the Tampa game. So the problem we have with Anthony, long story, make it even longer. problem you have with Anthony is right now he looks like about a two-down play, two player. Okay, good news, bad news. What's going on? I think we've got the issue worked out. We're we're uh, we're in the process right now of trying to get him added. Uh, I've I've tried to add add him manually. Let's see what we mm-hmm. got. Okay, I, I can promise you guys. Uh, if we don't get this issue resolved, aha, we've got something. <laughs> Hello, Joe. Can you hear us? Do you see? Do you see us? I don't see uh, you, but I can hear I you. See your, see your email address. Uh, I see. I, I see. You see me, guys. I just. I, I. I'm trying to get. I'm trying to get on the phone. I'm trying to get the video. Hey, we we've got all night. Uh, we got as long as it takes. To, to get you with us. I'm with you guys, but video, but face, face. I, I, I totally get it, Joe. If we can do it all up, oh, he just muted himself too. Uh, I got it. I totally we'll get it. We're back. Okay. We can okay. do, we can do, we can do audio chat. It, that's fine. It, it, it's no problem. Oh, I think, well, we have video for a half a second. Hold on. There we go. Do you have, you have, the man. Do you have your son? Do you have your son helping you? So, yeah, he's gonna help me tonight. There you go. Hey, I, I, there's nothing wrong with that. We're all technically challenged. We go. Wait a minute. I got a little kid around here. Somebody can help me figure this thing out. Can I take this moment? Uh, and I've waited 42 minutes now, uh, just for the, uh, the followers of the Dome podcast we're gonna fulfill our obligations we have to start and start up again uh we're gonna give you Joe horn this is what we've brought we've uh we've advertised to you guys we faced some technical issues we've worked those out uh personally i i want to thank joe uh much like your play career this is an excellent segue by the way much like your playing career the never say die uh Ladies and gentlemen, the man, the myth, the legend, number 87 in your programs, number one in your hearts, Mr. Hollywood, Joe Horn. And and son. <laughs> and son. There you go. There you right. go. Well, I, I was going to give him the opportunity to introduce the, uh, the next generation there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is this is this name. This is Jacob. How you doing, Jacob? Good. <laughs> what position do you play, Jacob? I play receiver and running back. 
Ah, there okay. we go. Okay. Are you in, are go. you in high school I, right I, now, or are you in? Yes, sir. Like, okay. What uh, what what grade are you in right now? Ninth. Ninth grade. Oh boy, you're just getting started. <laughs> oh man, it's man. I wish I could just remember the ninth grade. Ah. Uh, <laughs> I, I miss, I miss it. I, I do miss it sometimes. Uh, well, uh, hopefully. I, I miss with every that I take. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, uh, hopefully you don't have to go quite the long route your dad did. Uh, but I tell you what, your dad's story is uh, one of my, my favorite stories of all time, because here's a man that basically took a video of Jerry Rice learning how to be a receiver by watching Jerry Rice workout video. And uh, just it, it's just an incredible story. Joe, I saw an NFL Films uh, special on you about that where they took you to your home uh, and, and kind of went through that. And the moment when the Saints played the 49ers, I think it was either 2000 or 2001, and uh, you got to shake hands with Jerry Rice uh, at that game and how much that meant to you. Can you kind of let everybody know about that? Because I'm sure I butchered that story a bit. Yeah, it was very it was very emotional for me at the time because when I looked at his video and I saw myself becoming an NFL football player one day, I never thought against the Oakland Raiders I would be able to catch a pass on the sideline and out of nowhere, I'm going in slow motion. Jerry Rice slaps my hand like great catch. He didn't say great catch, but he slapped my hand like good catch. And when I was on my way back to the huddle, everything was slow motion because of the legend, the best receiver in the NFL history, like a Michael Jordan to football. Mm -hmm. Jerry Rice is Michael Jordan to football like Michael so he, Jerry Rice is the Michael Jordan of NFL wide receivers like he is to football. So that moment was unbelievable, and I was almost shook up the next series, the next play. Oh, well, you picked a great Man. one to emulate. Uh, I, uh, I, as a longtime Saints fan, Jerry Rice killed me so many times because he managed to take – a little hitch route, a little skinny post, uh, just a slant, a shallow cross, any of those plays they run in the uh, in the West Coast offense and just completely destroy the Saints. You knew it was coming, that, but you couldn't stop it. The man knew how to uh, create separation. Uh, it, it, it just – he was a master in his position. So to learn from him and to get that, that acknowledgement that, hey, you're right there with me. You're, you've got it now. Uh, it, that must have been an incredible moment, an incredible, incredible moment. Absolutely. Well, I've got to tell you, um, looking at full disclosure, uh, when I was covering Saints for ProFootballSpot.com, uh, I, I had a series that I began about uh, covering the Saints. I, I covered um, – I began a series called Legends of the Fall, which basically uh, highlighted the 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 big players 
in the franchise's history. I mean, there was Sam Mills, there was Ricky Jackson, Vaughn Johnson, um, Pat Swilling, Archie Manning, and of course, Mr. Hollywood himself. Uh, Thank you. And when I, when I did the research to do the article on you, uh, the one thing that stood out to me more than anything was the fact that the desire, uh, the desire to not just reach that goal that you set for yourself, but to go beyond. And in, in the process of uh, the interview, uh, I've reached out to a few of your former friends, uh, or excuse me, your former teammates. Uh, you remember a guy that you played with in, uh, in New Orleans, War Number 26, correct? Absolutely. Deuce McCowns. <laughs> I asked Deuce, uh, can you give me something on Joe? And he said, uh, the ultimate competitor. He said he would talk to himself, even he would talk, even if it was just himself in third person through the whole game. <laughs> uh, but there was no one that you wanted on your side more. And, and that's that's pretty much the uh, the gist of the, what I got from anyone that I, I've uh, I've talked to about you. You were the ultimate, not only competitor but teammate as well. How much does that mean to you uh, being a decade beyond the end of your career now, being able to look back and still be held in that kind of regard? It's it's the ultimate respect. It's the ultimate respect. And coming from Deuce McAllister, who's a brother to me, I love it. I appreciate it. And I'm very humble. Anytime an ex-player has anything positive to say about who I was to them and the football team. Well, Joe, you were uh, as, you were as much of the face of the franchise as almost any player uh, during those years. When you came to the Saints in 2000, and I can remember this vividly, I was living in Lafayette at the time, and uh, I remember hearing on the radio that the Saints signed a receiver from Kansas City named Joe Horn, and I think it was Mike Dettelier, uh, who's a local analyst and, and commentator on the radio, who says, yeah, Joe might, <laughs> Joe might be able to uh, return some kicks, and uh, yeah, he, he, he might be somebody that could, could contribute a little bit. And until Drew Brees had, had signed, uh, he, you were the greatest free agent signing in the franchise's history. What was it like when you came to the Saints in 2000, um, coming from Kansas City? Did you have any idea that you were going to be able to succeed the way you did? Wait a minute. Did you just say <laughs> before Drew Brees signing, I was the biggest? <laughs> yes, I, I, wait, wait, I got wait. it. I got before, it. I, I, I was the biggest free agent signing before Drew Brees. Wait a minute. Drew Brees was a starter in San Diego. Uh -huh. Yes. In, in San Diego before he tore his rotary, rotary cuff. So Drew, right. Drew was very well known to the general manager who signed him 
with the Saints. Yeah. Joe Horn, yeah. Joe Horn to Randy Mueller was he didn't know what he was getting out of Joe Horn. At least these right. guys knew that Drew Brees was a possibly possible franchise quarterback if he was healthy. You're right. You're right. You're however, right. However, however, Drew did win a Super Bowl. <laughs> he did win a Super Bowl, and he is a Hall of Famer. So, in that regards, Drew Brees is the biggest free agent signing in the Saints history. He is. He is. But until <laughs> Drew came, until Drew got here, you were the man. You, uh, you were, you were by far it, 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 popularity. Uh, just like I said, because you were emotional, because you you did things on the field, you celebrated touchdowns, you you wore your heart on your sleeve out there. You were the greatest, you know, greatest free agent signing of the time, and out of almost any team in the league outside of even Reggie White with the Packers because of what you meant to this team. Uh, we wow. won a playoff game. You know, it just – when you look at the history of the Saints, prior to your arrival, this is where players' careers came to die, honestly. And you became yeah. a player that no one knew who you were. They couldn't even pronounce the name of the junior college you came from. And they did, and you come to the Saints, and it's like in that San Diego Chargers game, that 2000 season. Who is this guy? This guy is incredible. This is a receiver we've wanted for so long. And I just wanted to know from your perspective: Did you even foresee that happening? Uh, did you? Did you? What were you thinking when you came to the Saints? Well, first of all, Mike McCarthy was the quarterback coach in Kansas City. And if it wasn't for Mike McCarthy telling Jim Hazlitt, telling Randy Mueller that I was a diamond in the rough that he found, I don't think mm -hmm. I would have had the opportunity in New Orleans. I think Mike McCarthy had more confidence in me than Jim Hazlitt and Randy Mueller. They just took Mike McCarthy's word. They needed a fast receiver that had hands and 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 Mike McCarthy, brilliance, decision-making at that time as a quarterback coach, obviously took him to Green Bay to let everyone know he may be a Hall of Fame NFL coach one day. So Mike McCarthy found me. Mike McCarthy found me in Kansas City. His words to Jim Hassler and Randy Mueller was, you better get this kid in Kansas City that's a free agent. Because if you don't, the Oakland Raiders and Rich Gannon will have him. <laughs> Mm. Well, I'm glad. Uh, it might Joe, let me tell you this. Uh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Uh, I want to say this. Um, it's not really hard to respect Joe Horn, the football player. I mean, I watched you do what you did. And obviously, when you do that, New Orleans Saints of that era, it's not like you're playing for the 49ers or this one or that one or the other. You're doing it <laughs> against the odds more than anything. Uh, it's not hard to respect the player. Uh, when Hurricane Katrina hit the New Orleans coast or the, excuse me, the Gulf Coast, the New Orleans area, uh, the, the man – not the player, but the man that, that you 
stood out to be and the uh, what you were in who you were and what you were about kind of uh, rose to the to the top and I developed a whole new respect for you as a person as a man as a player for the stand that you took only for New Orleans Saints as a team New Orleans as a place uh, but also standing up against the evil empire of the NFL uh, the commissioner and all that could you elaborate a little bit on on what it was like to be there in that guys to be honest with you I can sit here for the next three hours and tell you what it was like, Hurricane Katrina was like. So I'm gonna try to sum it up as best I can in the next two minutes, okay? Um, I was told, and the whole world was told, that the, the dome would be probably blew up. No one would ever play in the dome again. And it's a, it's a great possibility that the New Orleans Saints would soon be the San Antonio Saints. I mean, the San Antonio Saints. Mm -hmm. Although the blueprint was being drawn up for us to stay in San Antonio, my heart and my soul was talking to the commissioner at the time to let him know that it would not be fair that if the New Orleans Saints organization didn't come back and rebuild that city and play in that dome again, I would retire and I would never play football again for the New Orleans Saints. That's something no one really know about. They don't know that story. But every time I ride across the bridge and every time I see that dome, although I don't have a Super Bowl ring on my finger, in my heart of hearts, I know that that dome is my house. No matter who moves in, no matter who stays there, no matter who has a Super Bowl ring there, they're going to be there and they're going to move their bags out and go back home when their career is over. When Joe Horn comes to New Orleans, I can look at that dome and know that that's my ring for life because I know in my heart of hearts, I was a big reason for the New Orleans Saints coming back to the city. That's a story that I'm telling you guys on your podcast. And that's a story that no one ever will ever will never heard me say, but I'll say that tonight in all honesty. So in, a, in short words, I will say when I die, I want my ashes spread over the city of New Orleans. That's how much I love Louisiana. That's how much I love the city, and it, I can I can't say it no better no, no better way than that. Well, I, well, I can think a lot of uh, worse ways that you could possibly say that. Right, Joe. Uh, I'm telling you, the city I, feels the same way about you. Um, they definitely embraced and loved you. Uh, they they love you today. Uh, you will forever. I put a little video up uh, uh, preview in this show of uh, you playing back in 2003 and the responses I got from that were incredible. Uh, they love, love, just because you, the, the Saints fans are blue collar fans. They love guys. They love guys who wear their heart in their sleeves and yep. want to win. They want, they want to do this city proud and you did this city proud and you still do this city proud. I get chill bumps every time I come over that bridge coming coming through Slidell. I get chill bumps coming over that water, man. When I can see, when I can see my see when I can see the water, man, glistening, and I can see coming into the city. 
I get chill bumps every time, man, because the memories of, of, of how close that city became, how close we became after Hurricane Katrina. And I hear people say earlier that, you know, a couple of years after that, where we, we want to move on. We don't want to talk about Katrina because that's the past and we got a new beginning. Well, you know what? I never, ever bought into that. I never bought into that because you weren't the one who lost a family member. You weren't the one who had a sick grandmother at the dome. You weren't the one who was trying to find water for a two-year-old baby. So how could you say we should forget about what happened with Katrina and then when people start talking about it, you want to move on? No, I don't. Every time I see someone that want to show me pictures of Katrina, that want to talk about Katrina, I take my time, I shut up and I listen because they went through something on those weeks, those months, those days that people that just happened to move into the city just to make some things happen better didn't go through. No, it's it's part of our history. We cannot we it, it makes us who we are. You know, that that is that that's I that's tried. part of our identity. I tried earlier today to explain uh the way that things are as best I could. Every NFL team, every fan base in this league thinks that their fan base is more tightly in tune with the, hmm. the football team that they support. Uh, they don't have a clue in the case of the New Orleans Saints and uh, the Houdat Nation it's different because from the very inception of this team it's always been the New Orleans Saints team and the Houdat Nation against the world only thing that either one of them had to believe in was each other and you factor into that things like Hurricane Katrina and the only thing that I mean uh, a perfect example of that and, and I, I have to uh, I have to say I, I heard your heard an interview with you recently Joe uh, where you uh, you made reference to the return to the dome um, the Steve Gleason block punt against the Atlanta Falcons uh the reason that that resonated so incredibly with this fan base is it gave the the average fan gave them something to believe in. It gave those play showed those players that there was these people that had their backs, and it showed this fan base that there was somebody that had their backs, no matter how bad the odds were, no matter how bad the situation was, the team. And the fan base were going to come together and make it through as one entity. During that game, if I would have dove for a pass and got hit, and my career would have ended, and I would have been in a wheelchair paralyzed from my neck down, I would have been satisfied. I would have been at ease and I would have been okay for my career that, that night, just because I knew how much people loved the saints, how much they went through and every other life that was lost in the dome and on that, on, and on her, in hurricane Katrina that night, I was ready to die. Wow. 
I, I, I was there, Joe. I was at that game. Uh, in fact, I was in the end zone where Gleason blocked that punt, so I know exactly what you're talking about. I mean, that was, to me, that was the beginning of what I consider the golden age of Saints football uh, because it was such a magical moment um, because before that game, it, it felt like, in fact, I can remember fans, some fans sitting in the stands looking at Morton Anderson warming up going, yep, there's the game winner right there. Morton Anderson's going to beat us. Uh, and uh, it, it changed the mentality, and it showed that we can overcome anything. That was really special to us, and, and I know exactly what you're talking about with that emotion. Um. Joe, I kind of want to, I want to change gears a little bit. Uh, did we lose him? Joe, you still there? No, I'm here. I'm back. Okay. All right. Good deal. Uh, Joe, I want to kind of change gears a little bit and talk a little sorry, bit about I'm your sorry, days. My I'm sorry, my son, okay. my, my son, my son just texted me and said University of Georgia just offered him. He University of Georgia? Really? Yes. Yeah, so I'm looking. I'm, I'm looking for LSU. I don't. I mean, I'm. I'm. I'm just looking for LSU now. You know. <laughs> well, I tell you what. Okay, uh, Joe, I'll, for, I'll watch. I'll okay. watch Georgia football if that's what it takes. I'll watch him play. <laughs> Excuse no me, uh, Alan. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Joe. If you would uh, let our fans know out there exactly who your son is, well, so that they can follow. Well, I have so many. I have a lot of sons. So let me start with first. <laughs> my, first my first son. He's one year. Old. He he's. He's 13 months. His name is Jace Horn. My second son, he's YJ. My third son is the one and only Jacob. And my other son is older is JC. And my other son is Southboy, Joe Horn Jr. Now, JC, right now, he's a junior. He'll be a senior. He has about 30 offers. He's a cornerback doing well with his academics and he's doing well and he's, he's a pretty good football player. So right now he's in the recruiting process. Mm -hmm. So he's getting a lot of offers right now. We're having to decide what we're going to do, where we're going to go. But my other sons too, they're on the way. When JC moves out of here, his senior year, he's gone focusing on the next one. (laughs) Hey, in the meantime, enjoy the ride. Uh, I, I had a I had a child that won a national state championship in basketball. She, a girl, uh, my daughter, she won a state championship in basketball. So it, I tell you that that high school ride. I know you you're looking towards college and you're looking for that next step, but man, a high school ride is one heck of a ride. So enjoy every minute of it because you you really really you can look back at those days and go, man. That was so much fun hey. because the work's the work is just starting. If when you get to college, that's when the work starts. And if you're really great in college and go to the pros, ask your dad. That's when the work really gets hard. <laughs> absolutely, hey. absolutely. My little I'm man came see, home I'm from preschool to today. I want I want to ask his mom. Is it too, is he up too late right now? Being on live. I, I, yeah, I don't know. you are. Yeah, it's ten oh eight. Ten oh eight. It's a regular Tuesday night. Oh, this is nine o'clock. He's good. Okay, well, good. Well, good. hey, it's not every day that people get to hang out with Under the Dome, the Who Nation, <laughs> yeah. and the living legend, Mr. Joe Horn. No doubt. Uh, no doubt. Joe, I, what I wanted to say, though, right before this was uh, when you were with the Saints, uh, you had a couple – there was a couple of 
seasons where things kind of some upheaval in the, in the franchise. And I wanted to get your take on what happened at the end of that 2002 season with first off in that off season, Randy Mueller got let go and Mickey Loomis became the new general manager. And then we had that, that season with, uh, A.B., Aaron Brooks, he uh, injured his uh, shoulder against the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And Jake had come in for a couple a couple games. He, he finished off the Tampa game with that critical, critical third down pass to you. And then uh, against Baltimore, Jake kind of finished that second half of that game. But after that, we only had to win one game, go back to the playoffs. Uh, we lost those next three games against the Vikings – the uh, the Bengals and the Panthers. What was the feeling, uh, if you could remember? What was the feeling like with that team? Because I really thought we had something with that team. We could have gone back to the playoffs and maybe won a couple more playoff games that year. You know, it was the feeling was so it was so soft, man. Because you got AB, who's a young gunslinger, and you got Jake DeLong, who was a backup who a lot of people thought was probably better than A.B. And it was a hard decision for Mike McCarthy to juggle the two. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm the type of player where I deal with the negative, I deal with the positives. I feel like if our defense hold a team under 21 points, we should win the football game. With the mastermind and Mike McCarthy that we had, he could, Mike McCarthy could put a 12-year-old at quarterback and he can make plays with the offensive plays that he was calling. So, man, I don't even think – I don't think out the box like what ifs. I don't, I don't deal in what ifs. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like hypothetical. I don't, I don't like hypothetical questions. And, and with all due respect to you and your profession, I mm-hmm. ride with the flow. If, it's, if, if we're going to win, we win. If we lose, it's my fault, it's everybody's fault, and we keep on pushing. So I, I never lost a game. And after the first that night said, man, if I could have did this, if I could have did that, I say, look, we lost. Obviously, we weren't as prepared as the other team was. They won the game on to the next game. That's why I can never understand why people say, what do you think your record is going to be? How many games do you honestly think you guys are going to win this year? I never understood that because I'm going to always think we're going to win 16, 16 games. Mm-hmm. Anybody who tell you that they're going to win a couple of games, they might win 14 or they might win 12, where are you going to be? I'm asking that question to this guy. Where are you going to be when you lose those four games? So. Ask you one hypothetical, Joe. uh, You can ask, but I I don't know if I'll give you. (laughs) What would would it have been like for Joe Horn and Drew Brees to be on the same field at the same time? Well, I can answer that question because that's not a hop- that's not that's 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 um obviously not a hypothetical question. I played with Drew Brees on the same field. Mm-hmm. Yes, you did. And we actually had a great run to the NFC Championship game in Chicago. Mm-hmm. But I didn't play. I didn't play that game. I was ready to play that game, but I was told that I wouldn't be playing that game because of my groin injury that I was nursing, but I was practicing the whole week and I was ready to play in that NFC championship game, but I was still, I was set down. So I played with Drew. 
And I'll say it on record now, as I've said it before, Drew Brees obviously is, will probably go down as uh, maybe the top five greatest quarterback of all time because he's very efficient. He's very, um, very particular in things that he does, that he does with wide receivers. He practices like no one up, no one, no one, I've never seen a quarterback practice with as much precision as Drew Brees has. He's a perfectionist. And to be honest, I didn't really want to stay after practice and practice an extra hour with Drew throwing the ball because I was older. I knew how to run routes. There was not one in particular route that I was my favorite route. My coaches told me that there was every route that was on the tree, I ran perfect. So I didn't feel like I had to work with Drew for timing which I should have, and I didn't. So Drew Brees is a Hall of Famer. Like I said, again, he'll go down as probably top five best quarterback ever in the history of the game. And I love Drew because of his leadership, his skill quality, and the type of man that he is. Joe, do you have a favorite position coach then that you had? I know you love Mike McCarthy, and I totally respect the heck out of Mike McCarthy too. Uh, he's one of my favorite this uh, is not position coaches. This is not Apple. No, that's Drew. okay. This is grape juice. There you go. Well, I've been drinking a uh, regular Coke too, so I'm trying to stay oh. awake as well. <laughs> um, but did you have a favorite position coach? Um, yes. Outside of Mike McCarthy as a yes. receivers coach? Yeah. Yes. Who, who would that be? Hubbard Alexander. The Axe. Axe was my favorite coach because I was so close to his family and I still am today. My mom's Gloria, she's in Baltimore. His son, Chad, Bart, all of those guys. Actually, Chad is with the Baltimore Ravens in the personnel department. So okay. that, was, that was a family atmosphere. Coach Axe was a family like a father to me. Now, my other coach that was one of my favorites is, is a coach that's in Pittsburgh right now, Richard Mann. Coach Mann, taught me a lot about how to run routes. Coach Mann taught me different moves that, that got me further. But Coach Axe did it all. He was more of a father figure to me, and his wife was more of a mother figure, and his kids were more close to me in a relationship that way off the football field. Me and Coach Mann, we never established a family-type atmosphere. But on the football field, he was more of a technician as far as a coach, as, as far as the coach. Oh, good. Yeah, because, you know, it's, I've always wondered, you know, what who would you credit the most for your development? And it sounds like Coach Axe, uh, Coach Hubbard Alexander really uh, helped you uh, become a professional player. And your other coaches came along and kind of refined your skill. But really that you had that one mentor that really taught you how to be a professional. Well, it's, is that a fair assessment? It's, it's the other way around. Richard Mann, okay. Richard Mann taught me the skills and the technique. And Hubbard Alexander, Coach X, taught me the manhood and how to refurbish my skills. He taught me the mental side of the game from Randy Moss or a Jake Reed or Chris Carter. He brought that type of experience to my game, the personal side. You know, he actually Jake Reed came with them to New Orleans. Came with Cooper. right, right. So 
Axe was more of a mentor. Axe was more of a father figure. And Coach Mann was more of an on-the-field, teaching me technique style how to run routes. Well, uh, Joe, let me ask you this. Uh, trying to transition here just a, a bit. Uh, nowadays, you're more involved with the uh, the future careers of young men. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about the Future Stars League and, and your involvement in it? Well, me and Terrell, Terrell Bean, Terrell, we started it up about three or four years ago. But I had to take the back seat because I was doing a lot of things with the kids. Terrell took it over, and he has done an exceptional job, man. I think it's seventh and eighth graders. He has he have all-star games in against uh, Louisiana, against Mississippi. Um, and and he's, he, he's taken that program and tried to teach kids and bring people along to try to further these kids' career and teach them about life. Not all about just football, but giving them an opportunity to compete to compete at a young age so they can take that experience being coached by NFL players to another level. So when they get older, they'll know about their academics. They'll know how to get in school, how to keep their grades and their, and their attitude, right? Everything about that program, God hands university, everything about everything about the program is to teach a kid more than just football, teach them about life experiences. And what gets me excited about it is the people who are behind it. Who come and jump behind it, like the like like the police officers, like the law enforcement in Louisiana and Mississippi, state troopers. They get behind it, they put their time and their effort behind it because they know, man, the kids are our future. And these other guys who have these football organizations, I would say to them, please don't look at how much money you can make with these parents paying their money. Because some of them are scams. I'm gonna keep it real. Some of them have these football programs to get your money, seven, eight hundred dollars a kid. And they really aren't teaching your kids anything. I can't be a part of that. I will never be a part of a football camp that's trying to get money just for the money part of it if I don't know that you're teaching these kids something outside of football. As a matter of fact, I don't even want to go to the football camp and do most of all the drills without talking to the kids about life. So I can say that's, that's an exceptional job that Terrell is doing. And I encourage everyone in Mississippi – Everyone who has a child in the seventh, eighth grade in Louisiana, whenever you see this website up, whenever you have a chance to try to bring your kids out to try out for the all-star game, you should sign up and just get that, ex that experience of taking your child to a whole, to a whole nother level. I, I want to take this opportunity to, uh, I, I don't think it's an announcement because we've said so earlier. Uh, the Dome podcast is going a spon uh, is going to help out in sponsoring the upcoming um, tryouts. And I, I want to say in the next month in the Monroe area, mm -hmm. um, and as well at the same time, I'll, I also I want to publicly uh, say a huge, huge thank you to Terrell for. Uh, for being the intermediary uh, and, and helping us to uh, to get connected with Joe. Um, yeah. Obviously, Joe, Joe is a Houdet legend and uh, all that, but uh, we couldn't have done this with Terrell's help, and uh, I thank him personally from the bottom of my heart. Uh, great guy. If you have the opportunity, follow 
future stars underscore 12 future underscore stars 12 correct yes yes that would be the website and terrell would actually terrell would also give that to you to put to give you guys to make sure you put it out there this guy i mean he he doesn't get enough credit man for 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 a guy not to play football to grow up playing basketball and going to college to play basketball man for him to take the love of football and turn it into a program to help these kids. He doesn't get enough credit. And I and I, and I definitely want to give him a lot of credit for that because I get phone calls and I, I can get emails every day about doing interviews. But for him to call me and say, hey, Joe, would you mind, you know, doing this interview? I'm going to get a shout out. All that stuff, man, it, it takes a lot out of his schedule and it takes a lot out of his time, man. And I just appreciate it. I don't tell him much, but I appreciate him for actually, you know, taking his time with the kids like that. Well, I'm going to tell you, uh, since since we started, uh, quote unquote, pursuing Joe, uh, almost every day I have talked on the phone, not via text, not via email. I talked on the phone personally and uh, we've worked. uh, He's he's given me every last thing that I could have possibly hoped for and then some trying to make sure that everything was worked out uh, up to and including tonight with our technical issues. Uh, Terrell's a fantastic guy. He, uh, Joe, you may can correct me here. Um, he is the the head of the God Hands University. Absolutely. He is the okay. Dundon CEO. And, and that is at You Got Hands on Twitter, I believe. Uh, will any of these uh, tw- these Twitter accounts, et cetera, that you're uh, we're talking about, we'll post them on on our Facebook page later. Hello, uh, and I want to announce that on June, or excuse me, July seventeenth will be the annual Louisiana All Stars versus Mississippi All Stars. Uh, for Future Stars League, and that will be held in Monroe this year, as per the yearly rotation. Correct? Absolutely. And I will be the head coach for Louisiana. Right now, we're we're. we're do you need a receivers coach? <laughs> actually, I do. I haven't confirmed that with Terrell just yet. If I'm going to be the head coach, I don't know if he put that out there that I was going to be the head coach. But if he had. I guess I am, but is he, if he haven't, we're going to talk about that and let you guys know. Good deal. Good deal. We we have much more uh, in in terms of uh, the um, more updates regarding the the future stars league and all of that. We're gonna uh, every time that we we get an update on that, we're gonna post that on our uh, Good. under the dome podcast page. Uh, and and I want to take this opportunity personally to tell you, Joe, that uh, any time when it comes to uh, to what you're doing with these kids, any time that you need a platform to speak on, you need a uh, just for an example, a, a Facebook page to to post your post on. Please, uh, we uh, we we very much invite you and welcome you. 
to use us as a sounding board, and you've always got a platform for us. My man. Absolutely. I appreciate Absolutely. That. Guys, I appreciate the time, and I want you to know anytime you need me, call me up, call Terrell up, let me know when you want me to come on, and I'll give you guys another interview, and I'll give you guys some more juice that you haven't, that, that people haven't told you about. But I definitely Absolutely. Sean, Sean, I want to say, man, congratulations to the Most High God for blessing you to be a cancer survivor. That's a great, that's a great feat, man. I'm proud of you. I know how hard it is. I have a little girl who went through Hoskins lymphoma at the age of 11, and up to her age of 13, she every year she it came back. It came back, and for a kid to go through cancer treatments, for a child to go through cancer treatments, and me see her suffer, and her still trying to make it and still fight. To be sure, I know. Physically, I don't know the feeling, but I but I know the fight and I know the struggle of cancer survivors, man. And I and I and I just want to let you know that I'm proud of you. You always be in my prayers, and I and I want you to keep on doing what you're doing, buddy. Thank you so much. Oh, by the way, we we have a, a bit of an issue. Twitter followers. That yeah, I was just I was just uh, checking Twitter. Terrell sent me the the names of the twit uh, the winners for uh, the random drawing on Twitter new Twitter followers for uh, which is at eighty seven porn uh, the two new Twitter followers to uh, received an autographed picture from the man the myth the legend Mister O'Horn oh wow you're not gonna believe this dude. <laughs> Miss Jane Newberry and Mr. Don Pinto. All right. That's congratulations. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll make sure we have it for you. That's Joe, great. Thank that's you two, so of, much. two of our biggest fans. Two of our biggest fans right there. Joe, uh, John is actually our director of social media for our show. <laughs> uh, we couldn't do what we do nearly to the level that we do it without uh, John Pinto's help. He is absolutely the third tier of this uh, this process. Well, congrats, congratulations, John. And guys, I know, your, I know your podcast will do wonderful things, man. And the city of Louisiana, the state of Louisiana and the city of New Orleans love you guys for it, man. Spreading the news, spreading the word, getting them the opportunity to see the players that they always love, man. Well, thank Joe, you, Joe. I want to add, I want to wrap this up asking you two questions, if you don't mind, if you've got okay. the time. Okay. Okay. Uh, number one, if you could sit down. Uh, Here you go with your hypotheticals. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you could sit down with the, the Houdat Nation collectively, basically, uh, this is one of those hypotheticals, I, I suppose. And you impart on them the one way you would prefer to be remembered when you're gone from here what would you prefer to be remembered as by the New Orleans Saints fans that's the first question yes sir I would rather be remembered for a guy who would give his shirt off of his back to someone who is in need. If I'm walking at the Treasure Chest Casino my first couple of years there and I'm out by the pier fishing 
I used to go out there sometimes at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night just to sit by the water, watch people fish. And they didn't know who I was. But if I sit and hear their conversations, I would try to chime in and help them as much as I can. A person who on Mother's Day skipped being with my own mother just to go to the park and see people out enjoying themselves, putting down the guns, not, not trying to have violence, just to enjoy that one day and see that Joe Horn spent his own Mother's Day coming out to the park to spend with everyone else's mother. I would want them to remember me as a man who would give his last shirt on his body for anybody that's walking around in his life, especially in the city of Louisiana. Not a football catch, not a touchdown, not a, not a playoff game, not for wearing the jersey, but wearing his heart on the sleeves. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and there's one thing that I, before we uh, before we get away from here, I I want everybody to know, you know, Joe was a, a fantastic player on the field and so on and so forth. And I don't – please, Joe, don't misunderstand me. I, I'm not trying to diminish that in any way. But mm-hmm. – now, 10 years later, down the road, this uh, we're still here. We're still talking to a player from 10 years ago. There's a reason that Joe Horn is one of the most beloved uh, players of all time. People do, don't often realize, and there's not – I've got this from first-hand accounts now. Joe Horn leaving the Superdome at the following game, coming up in a limo, coming up to a red light, and seeing somebody wearing his jersey and stopping the limo and signing that jersey for the people that, that's wearing it. Uh, going in, into the Superdome or even in a away, away game, walking the perimeter of the floor level, signing autographs, getting all the way back to where it started and starting over. Uh, And I just want to say that in an era when there is so many sports stars and figures that do not deserve the level of notoriety that they get, I absolutely and 100% believe that you deserved every last ounce of loyalty that the Houdet Nation and Saints fans and football fans bestowed on you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And and, and they showed me that by being the Saints Hall of Fame, Hall of Famer. That's my dream. If I never, you know, to be honest with you guys, I'm a realist. I don't have the stats and the numbers that a Marvin Harrison or a Terrell Owens or a Randy Moss or a um, uh, Steve Smith, those guys had. So they deserve um, Torrey Holt, Isaac Bruce. Those guys deserve the Hall of Fame. They, They deserve to be in Canton because they had quarterbacks and they had, you know, people that could get them the ball and, and, and I had a quarterback that can get me the ball. Unfortunately, Canton is just doesn't have my not Canton wasn't meant for me. Canton wasn't meant for Joe Horn. And I'm okay with that. But the New Orleans Saints Hall of Fame, the people that I play for, that's my Hall of Fame. And I'm okay, and, and that's all I care about. I'm okay with that. I know the who that nation is behind me. 
and I love the state of Louisiana with all my heart. And I, I appreciate you guys for giving me the opportunity to reach back out to my fans. Well, you're welcome, that, Joe. Uh, we appreciate you right back, brother. Uh, yeah, I can honestly absolutely. say thank you so very much for making time for us. Uh, I can't begin to put into words just exactly how much this has meant to me as uh, followers of is a follower on Twitter. You know that I've said several times this that interviewing Joe Horn is uh, a check off the bucket list. Uh, and we're, we're going to get you that ring of fame next, Joe. We're going to get you that ring when the Superdome with uh, Archie Morton, Willie Rofe. We're going to get you on that ring of ring of honor. Because that's the next man, that, one. That would be great. That would be great, man. But it's okay. I mean, if, if I'm not there, I know where my heart is, man. That you, dome is my house. I want your name right up where they used to have the Joe Horn section back in the day in that dome. Uh, your name belongs right there because uh, I tell you, you're the reason why people came to see those games. Uh, Absolutely. You know, uh, th- th- that was that – was, just it was so much fun watching you play because you were us on the field. You My were man. every every frustrated athlete, every fan who wishes they could play professional football. They wanted to be you because you looked like you were having fun, and that's what was important. My man, every every person that was a part of the Saints' history that comes into New Orleans, do what they need to do. And they come through that dome with their suitcase packed on the way out to wherever they, wherever their next destination is. It will mm-hmm. be, it will be my spirit and my jersey shaking their hand, patting them on the back, telling them good luck with their future and their career. But I'll still be there in that dome for the rest of my life. There you go. There you go. You were number eighty-seven. Just forever, um, uh, I, I, I did something earlier about. It about Legends of the Fall to Joe Horn. Uh, I, I, I want to share the opening paragraph. And um, if, if I can read this paragraph to Joe Horn and get his approval, I, I will uh, rest a very satisfied man. And it goes, there may be no greater example in the New Orleans Saints franchise colorful history of just how rewarding it can be doggedly pursue your life's ambitions in the case of wide receiver Joe Horn. And what exactly was his reward for never giving up? He left the game as not only one of the team's best receivers, but is still considered a fan favorite in the city of New Orleans. Wow. Wow. You couldn't have put it any better. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that with all with all with all my heart, man. I, I appreciate that, Sean. Well, well, thank you. I I, I I know it sounds trite and uh, like what I'm supposed to say, but you have no idea what it means to me, sir. Uh, I, I will carry that forever. Absolutely. I uh, I want to thank Joe Horn. Uh, and I, I've lost complete track here. Uh, I, <laughs> I don't have I don't have the words anymore to uh, thank Joe for the time that he's taken, and uh, not only that for the effort that it required to actually uh, to work out the issue and to get him on tonight. Uh, Joe, 
for not quitting, uh, not get, but you know, here would have quit, but we got, uh, the legend, Mr. Joe Horn. He wasn't going to quit until he talked to his fans in that nation. Absolutely. I appreciate, well, you know, I appreciate, I appreciate you guys, man. And me and my son will sign off. Who that? Okay. All right. Thank you, sir. We're going to have you try and get you back right before that, uh, right before that camp and, uh, get you to remind everybody about how to get on that. And, uh, thank you again for, for coming on the show. All right, baby. Y'all be good. Come peace. You thank too. you thank so you, much, sir. Joe. All right, buddy. Good night. All right, guys. And, uh, <laughs> And we went we went a little over tonight, uh, obviously because of the technical issue. Well, I was more worried we get cut off in mid set. That was that was, that was a big thing. So, I was sitting here the whole time watching the live. Uh, yeah, me too, me too. Well, guys, thank you guys for sticking with us. Uh, my little stall tactic while uh, Sean hurried and, and got this going. Um, I hope you guys appreciated the Joe Horn interview. Uh, we will get Joe back another time. Uh, you know, later this summer when that camp starts up in July, we're going to definitely get Joe back on and talk some more about the camp. Uh, as Joe teased us, we're going to have some, uh, we will have some juice, as he put it, some little gossip from uh, from his days with the Saints, things that fans never knew what was going on behind the scenes. And uh, and hopefully, hopefully uh, – We'll have all of our technical bugs worked out, so we get him from eight to nine, uh, and he gets to bed gets to bed at a good time. So, thank you guys for sticking with us, um, and uh, we will see you next week on Under the Dome. Uh, Sean, do you have any last words? I, I, I can die now. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you guys so thank much. Thank you guys. For thank you guys so much for uh, for sticking around and with us tonight um, I, I can't reiterate just exactly how much a live broadcast uh, a whole different yeah, you know, of uh, okay. variables like as that. we can see as we can still see going on here um, yeah absolutely guys and uh, we'll see you next week on under the dome where we'll talk some more we'll kind of continue my thoughts on the uh, the Saints linebacker position uh Dante Hightower what? we'll talk some more about the linebackers that's why I was kind of stalling while you were getting uh Joe I was talking about the linebacker position I talked a lot about Stefan Anthony we'll see if the if the uh the New England Patriots do in fact release or not choose not to sign Dante Hightower and we'll see if he's a good fit for the Saints uh, and we'll talk about some other linebackers so next week we'll see you on Under the Dome good night everybody thank you guys so much we love you uh,